Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome back to our core classes. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to continue working through studies on Jesus the Messiah. This is the second of eight uh, talking about Jesus the Messiah. If you are following along in the book, we're on page 149 in the first version of the book. Change, pages might change over time, but uh, it says Christ in the Old Testament there in the middle of the page. That's where we're going to start. So for some of you, you might say, how is this a subject? How is Christ in the Old Testament? But as we look through this, I want to just open your eyes to the fact that Jesus is all over the Old Testament, like literally all over the Old Testament. If you listen to the last study, the last core class, we talked about the fact that in the beginning where it says, in the beginning God, and then it goes on to describe God as being the creator and what he created and how he created, the New Testament says that that was Jesus. So we're introduced to Jesus at the very beginning of the Old Testament, and we continue to see him throughout. The first quote there is by a guy named John Walvoord, and it says, a comparison of the Old Testament and New Testament passages proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ of the New Testament bears the title Jehovah or Lord in the Old Testament. This fact has long been recognized by conservative theologians. So I want you to hear what it says there. It says that Jesus Christ bears the title Jehovah or Lord in the Old Testament. He's referred to by the same name that's referred to God the Father at times in the Old Testament. This isn't some weird new teaching. Like John Walford goes on to say, this has been long recognized by conservative theologians. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it says, they will look on the one they have pierced and they will mourn. It's a reference to a coming Messiah, one who's going to be pierced, which we read in the New Testament, that does happen to Jesus and there will be mourning. So even there, we just see a picture of, in the Old Testament, of what is to come, of a Messiah who is approaching, that date becomes ever more near for the Old Testament saints. In Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, I want to look at another verse that talks about the coming Messiah. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days are coming. Okay, so this is from Jeremiah's point of view. These are future days. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely, and he will do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. All Israel will dwell in security. And this, his name, by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. So it's a reference to Jesus. He's called the righteous branch. Uh, he is also called here the Lord, our righteousness. If you remember from our God Almighty study, whenever you see in your Old Testament the L-O-R-D all capitalized, that's a reference to the name Yahweh or Jehovah. Jesus right here is called Yahweh, our righteousness. So Jesus Christ himself is referenced as Jesus, the Lord, Yahweh in the Old Testament. That's a big deal. That is no little thing. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, he's called the Jehovah of the temple, or the Yahweh of the temple, uh, the one who is coming. So this is confirmed by the New Testament use of the word kyros, kyrios, which is a Greek word um, for Christ, the word used in the LXX as equivalent to Jehovah in Acts 2.36. Um, so we see the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, uses the same word in the Greek Old Testament as in the 
Greek New Testament to describe who Jesus is. So that consistency also confirms Jesus is the Yahweh, Jehovah, of the Old Testament. Christ is also identified as the Elohim of the Old Testament. If you remember, Yahweh is like God's personal name. It's his name connected to his promises to his people. The name Elohim was a description of God Almighty, who is creator, Almighty, who lives outside of his creation, all-powerful. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, Prepare the way for the Lord, Yahweh, and make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God, Elohim. So that is a description of the coming Messiah. He's described both as Yahweh and Elohim. Okay, so when we're talking about Jesus Christ, it's not like we've got God the Father up here and Jesus Christ is in some way less than God the Father. He is Yahweh. He is Elohim. They are put together. One God, three persons. This is how we come up with the reality of the Trinity, is the way the Bible describes and speaks of Jesus himself. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, he's called the mighty God, which is, again, Elohim. He's called the mighty Elohim. Theos, Theos, in the New Testament, parallels Elohim of the Old Testament. And Theos is used over and over again to refer to Jesus. So he is called Lord, God, over and over again. Those references are right there for you in the book at the page, bottom of page 149. So we see Jesus throughout the Old Testament described as both Lord and God. Another thing that's really interesting, and this is fun, and we'll have some time to look into this, but there's going to be a lot of further study you can do on this topic, is we see Jesus showing up all the time in the Old Testament. Like he shows up. Jesus is on the scene, speaking, seen visibly in the Old Testament. At the top of page 150, it says, it is safe to assume that every visible manifestation of God in bodily form in the Old Testament is to be identified as the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. So every time we see God on the scene, in the Old Testament, it is Jesus. So if you want to do a study of Jesus, you have to start way back in the Old Testament and watch God's interactions with man, and you're studying Jesus. Uh, let's do one. So in Joshua, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, uh, they're getting ready to go to battle, and it says this, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? He said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the hosts of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And, Jesus did, and Joshua did so. So, usually when you're in the presence of an angel, you never have to remove your sandals. The, the ground there is not holy. Now, Moses, when he interacted with God at the burning bush, he was told to remove his sandals for the ground was holy because he was in the presence of God. Here, Joshua is told to remove his sandals because he's in the presence of who? The pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, who is leading the hosts of heaven into battle. So, we see Jesus right here. In the book of Joshua, there are points where we see him walking with Abraham. Do you remember when Jacob wrestles with God? He was wrestling with Jesus. When the nation of Israel, Israel was being led by a cloud or a pillar of fire, and it talks about the fact that 
God was in that pillar of fire, that he was watching his people from the cloud, that was Jesus. Okay, whenever you see a visible form of God in the Old Testament, you're seeing Jesus. There's an interesting reference that you'll see in the Old Testament, a reference to the angel of the Lord at times. It appears that these references or these instances where we see the angel of the Lord, where God meets with his people, the angel is identified at different times as being God. He, the angel of the, angel of the Lord, has the power to give life. He is all-knowing. He can judge the earth and he can forgive sin. All of those things are things that only God himself can do. So oftentimes when we see the angel of the Lord show up, we believe that it is Jesus who is showing up. We are seeing Jesus in action. John chapter 1, verse 18. This is a verse that threw me. I'll be honest. When I first read this and thought about what it said, it threw me for a while. John 1.18 starts with this. It says, No one has ever seen God at any time. The reference there is to God the Father, and he says, No one has ever seen God the Father at any time. Now, I've read my Old Testament. There are multiple times when they saw God. They interact with God over and over again. There's a point where Moses is put into the cleft of the rock, and the glory of the Lord passes by him, and he sees his back. So, John chapter 1, verse 18, what are you talking about? How can this be possible um, if we've been seeing him throughout the Old Testament? Well, let's read the rest of the verse. It says, the only begotten. It says, no one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, referring to Jesus, he has explained him. So even though it says that we've never seen God at any time in the Old Testament ever, who we have seen is Jesus, the one who has been with God. So Jesus, from the very beginning, is the one who's explaining him, revealing him, showing us who he's like. So even in the New Testament, when the disciples are interacting with Jesus, they're asking him, can you please show us the Father? And Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. I say his words and I do what I see my Father doing. To see me is to see the Father. That is also true throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Jesus is the one who has been explaining, revealing, and showing us who the Father is. Whenever we see a manifestation of God in the Old Testament, it is Jesus. Let's look at the paragraph at the bottom. It says, as far as we can understand it, the Trinity has always existed, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each is distinctly and completely God, while also having determined roles. So we wouldn't say the Father just decided to become the Father once he made creation, and that the Son took on the role of Son after he created. They lived for eternity always as God in roles. In the New Testament, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It would be reasonable to suggest that the Son has always represented, has always revealed, and has always explained the nature and character of God the Father. Theologians and students of Scripture suggest that the appearances of the angel of the Lord are the pre-incarnate Christ interacting with his people. So, the entire Old Testament, all of it, is pointing to a coming Messiah. God's promise to Adam, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, for all the nations who will one day be blessed through one who is coming, it is pointing to Jesus. 
Jesus is the heartbeat of every book of the Old Testament, every chapter, every story, all the verses of the Old Testament, the heartbeat behind those things is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So it is important and crucial for us to realize as we read the Old Testament, Jesus is the hero of the Old Testament. He's the prime subject matter of the Old Testament. I've heard it said sometimes that it's almost like the father focuses on Israel and the son focuses on the church. Based upon what we just read, Jesus is the one focused on his people at all times throughout all of history. Both Israel, those the Israelites who believe, and present-day people who believe in Jesus, the church, are one in Jesus. Jesus is the one who's revealing the Father to both. Now, I've got a box there for you where it says, for further study of the Old Testament theophanies of Jesus. Uh, you can, so a theophany is an appearance of God. When we see an appearance of God in the Old Testament, we believe it's Jesus. There's a whole bunch of them listed right there. If you'd like to go deeper into those, take some time, work through those. Let's just talk through the next two pages real fast. In the Old Testament, not only do we see Jesus showing up on the scene, not only do we see him speaking God's words, not only do we see him interacting with God's people, all the things that are happening in the Old Testament are oftentimes pointing back to Jesus in some way. So this is called typology, okay, typology. Uh, typology is primarily concerned with the application of an historical fact as an illustration of a spiritual truth or a figure or representation of something to come. It's almost like the things in the Old Testament oftentimes would be used as an, as an illustration of the gospel message, of who Jesus is and what he was going to accomplish on the cross. It's almost like a foreshadowing. The book of Hebrews says the things in the Old Testament were a shadow of what is to come. In the New Testament, Colossians and Ephesians says in the Old Testament, the mystery of Christ was being made, was being made known, but it was clearly communicated in the New Testament. So what is the mystery? What is the shadow? Well, it comes through persons. Uh, for example, Abel was like a type of Christ as a shepherd in his offering and in his death. We see Adam kind of representing the human race, where later Jesus is the one who represents the human race. Benjamin, a figure in the Old Testament, was called a son of sorrow. There's a point where Jesus is called a man of sorrows. David is a king over the household of God. Jesus is the ultimate king. So all those things are little glimpses of what Jesus will ultimately be like. Isaac identifies a new nature over Ishmael, okay, in Genesis chapter 4. Jesus is the new nature over Adam. So there's lots of individuals who point to what Jesus will be like. There's also events, the clothing of Adam and Eve. There's a point where an animal has to die so that God can make for Adam and Eve a covering. That actually points to the fact that something needs to die to take care of mankind. It points to Jesus. The preservation of the ark points to Jesus. Second Peter says so. The deliverance, the redemption of God's people out of slavery in Egypt to a promised land, that is a huge picture of the fact that you and I are enslaved to our sin. Jesus redeems us and will one day take us to a promised land. All of these things are pictures. The sacrificial system, oh, if we had time, we could spend hours on talking about the tabernacle and the temple, how each part points to the reality of the gospel and who Jesus is and what he's going to accomplish. So institutions and ceremonies also point to it. The priesthood, the feasts, the Passover, um, cities of refuge. There's a place to flee from judgment and punishment if you make a mistake in the Old Testament. Jesus is our city of refuge. So 
All of these pictures, illustrations, foreshadowings in the Old Testament remind us and point to Jesus. The entire Old Testament is about Jesus. He's in it. It points to him and it foreshadows what he's going to accomplish through the gospel. So my hope for you is that in response to this is that you read the Old Testament differently. That when you spend time in the Old Testament, you think about Jesus, you look for Jesus, and then you apply what you've read to the reality of who he is and what he's accomplished. We'll see you in the next core class.